0: The title of this episode is Inner Medicine. Ooh, I love a good conversation on inner medicine and mysteries of life and all of the things that our guest today brings to the table. This was a fun conversation. I'm excited to share it with you guys. Today with me is Carrie Hummingbird, medicine woman, mother, and mentor. She's the founder of Inner Medicine Training, a mystery school that shares potent ancient traditions from the Andes and Himalayas for owning your wisdom and living your purpose. She's the number one international bestselling author of The Second Wave, Transcending the Human Drama, which is an international bestseller in over for over 177 weeks. And she's also the author of Love is Fierce, Healing the Mother Wound, which describes the most direct path to self-realization. As a healer and mentor, she catalyzes mind shifts that transform life cha- challenges into gifts of wisdom. Her newest book to be released on Earth Day 2023 is Inner Medicine. Which we talk about today becoming one with Mother Earth for the survival of humanity. With no further ado, please help me welcome Carrie to the show. Carrie, welcome to the
1: show. Oh, I'm so glad to be here with you. And I can't wait to see what
0: conversation wants to unfold for between us. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, so you have a new book out. Mm-hmm. We're super excited to talk about it. Um, you know, I think... One of the things in our community that's so important is this journey into self. And you describe it so beautifully, kind of taking us through the directions and the medicine wheel and like your own life journey. And it's so funny because I've written a book, I've read, you know, I don't know, countless books of guests I've had on the show over the past, you know, five and a half years. And the thing that always draws me in and probably all of us in are those personal stories of what it's like to make the walk. Because I think, you know, like you were talking about before we popped on here, like you can't really just think about it, right? You can't like keep it at this level of the mental. You have to move it through your body. You have to feel the emotions um, to really make a journey into self. And so maybe you can go back with us to kind of the year and the first experiences where you looking back on it now, even if you didn't know at the time where you were entering kind of the first wave, let's call it of your inner transformation.
1: Yeah, that's a beautiful question. Um, I could go so many places. But what I want to go to is that first I didn't know that that was happening. Like, I didn't know that that's the journey I was initiating. Right. So that moment for me would be at the end of my former marriage um, to the father of my children. We have two lovely, um, healthy boys that are just beautiful beings. Now they're 20 and 23. But at the time they were young. They were like in elementary school and I was I had had um, my own Kundalini awakening I didn't even know that's what that was because I found a toy uh, somebody bit, literally drugged me um, to a slumber party and made me sit there and <laughs> I didn't want to do it and I got a toy I, I was like oh, all right I'll get one of these things I have no idea what this is gonna do but seriously and I had this awakening I had this like Oh my gosh like this is what's possible and it's set into motion a complete disruption of my life <laughs> like, because for the first time I had pleasure in my body authentic real ecstatic body pleasure I had that and then this aspect came forward that I didn't even know at the time, I I had no idea, but I must have had many, many lifetimes in India, because Kali Ma came forward and she was like, time to destroy, (laughs) you know, like time to destroy all this crap that is not true, and we need to get on with it, and so I went through this period that the self at the time was aghast, like, I'm not supposed to be like that. I'm kind, I'm nice. I'm polite. I'm, you know, I'm a good girl. I'm, I'm wonderful in that way. Like, I don't want to destroy my home and my relationship and my life. And, and the other side of me is like, Nope, uh, I'm done with that. Like, I'm on to something new. And literally that was the last few years of my marriage. You know, it was like, how many ways can I get pleasure? That's all that matters. Nothing else matters. And I don't really care about anything else. <laughs> so, you know, after like a whole life lifetime because I was 38 so like we're talking 38 years of no pleasure in my body so yeah that was a real huge wake-up call and it led to a lot of other wake-up calls along the way including the next wake-up call which is like, I got the sign like air out of here leave this situation this situation is not prepared to hold the allness the totality of you and you need to go like there's another place you're going to be that is going to be um, it's going to be so deep that it's not it's beyond the shallow confines of this relationship. You can't this relationship cannot hold who you're becoming. You need to leave and and so I did, I left everything. And so that was the second wake up call and I took the great departure and I left everything I knew and, and my beautiful studio that we had built for me, that was gonna be an artist and gonna be like an art chosen, and was gonna do my art and have my studio. And I, I cried over my studio for years. That was the one thing I wept over. I didn't actually weep over him, unfortunately. I mean, I feel bad to say that, but I guess I was just so tired for so long and the conflict of that relationship by the time I left, I was just relieved. So I was sad about my studio that was really really sad and I grieved it and you know looking back now it's like I have so much compassion for the person I was I have so much compassion for my the father of my children he really I mean he really he went through a tempest (laughs) you know he went through a tempest of feminine awakening like that is a crazy thing to go through as a guy I mean he really he really went through the ringer. So I send him a lot of love these days. I'm like, oh, sorry about that. You know, thanks
0: for holding space, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how long, I think there's a, a period between the beginning of the awakening where you're like, okay, this isn't working. And there, and I think there might be something else. And then of course, I think you go through a really intricate process of like, coming to terms with that, like whether you're fighting that truth that has risen or you're just not ready to like make the big choices, how long of a period of time was that for you? Yeah, that's a
1: really good question. I would say 12 years. I mean, I'm at 12 years now and only now have i been given some resources to help me connect all of the dots and then writing medicine, obviously that book writing my first medicine wheel book that has helped me to really see like um what the phases were of this transition and i kept wanting to go back to being you know in the in the matrix of like i'm a good person this is what i was trained to think a good woman is i am a good woman i'm a good person but really like that whole conversation needs to die itself like the entire conversation of what is a good woman needs to just burn in flames and just be gone because what's happening is that we're you know when we really embrace the mystery we're letting the mystery move us as especially as women move us into the place where we need to be in order to um our catalyze our own growth and catalyze the growth of everybody around us because when we actually listen to that true voice within we actually start to take the actions that that everybody needs us to take and it's it's like stop rescuing stop fixing trying to make it easier for everybody stop like scapegoating yourself taking on more than you need to take on I mean there's a lot of things that women are trained to do that is not serving anybody And sometimes what we need to do is stand in that center wisdom and that clarity and if it's asking us to to just do nothing and just look at that person and say well that's hard (laughs) and that's it then that's the solution right but getting to the place where you can do that as a mom especially is so hard it's like knowing knowing the balance of like what is actually needed here because everything has been so Really conditioned in a screwed up way. So now we have to come back and take all those layers off, you know. And it can be a little bit like the pendulum swinging, right? Like the pendulum swinging way off into Kali like I'm just going to destroy everything and have my head right on your neck. <laughs> all the way back over into like, but love me, but hold me, but I'm innocent, but I'm a child, but I'm innocent and I need to be held and loved and supported and celebrated. And then all the way over into get the hell out of me, get away from me, get out of my face. I'm doing this. And then all the way over into back, you know. So we, yeah we as women inside we're we're navigating this like really huge um if we let ourselves we're navigating a really big spectrum of emotion and letting ourselves travel that so i would say 12 years for me from from the from the first maybe even longer because that that pussy awakening was like you know three years before i even <laughs> left so that's like that's like 15 years you know yeah of um of really trying to accept um what I'm being asked to be, you know, and I, and I'm finally in the space of like, okay, I see it because I I am a compassionate person. Like most women have empathetic hearts. We are big feelers. We care about people, but it's just how we're caring that needs rewiring. It needs to be completely rewired.
0: Yes. And I think, you know, it's funny when I went through my first like awakening, I was like, right. Like, okay, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to get this done. It'll be a year. You know what I mean? I'll go through like a rough year. I can do it. You know, it was like, and and so many people like, you know, that I have spoken with and guided. It's like, we have that mentality sometimes at the beginning and it's just a consistent unfolding. I think at a certain place in the journey, you start to realize, oh, this is, I'm going to continue to be awakening these next levels. Right. And you were saying before we got on that you went on a journey before you launched your book and then you come home if you want to share about that and, and it's like whoa okay a new level tell us more
1: yeah yeah I mean I took to Cherokee I um that's what you're talking about yeah yes yeah, it's a so when we step into the deep waters of soul and we really start following our that inner guidance system, that mystery that's leading us into the next place, we get led into soul territory, which is the deep ocean. It's like when you're like when you're swimming in the reefs and you really like the coral reefs and it's all really really nice, and then all of a sudden you break free and there's like the ocean. <gasps> oh my god, like what's out there? You know, like that's crazy. And that's uh, soul area, and then the soul area, you get you get multi lifetime healing. Right. And so that's what happened to me. Um, I would say, let's see, it was um, I, I, eight years ago. Time for me gets very, very fluid. So excuse me if it's. incorrect. <laughs> but I think about eight years ago, um, I was uh, feeling this urge. I had been starting to practice shamanism. I'd been starting to learn about shamanism and drumming. And it was calling me like. <sighs> I got a shamanic healing um, for my first uh, guide in the shamanic path, and I, I it was an amazing healing, and I got reconnected with you know this my soul aspect, this really loving energy that had been hovering outside of me for a long time. And 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 then I was just all thinking shamanism. Then I wanted to be connected with my ancestry because I was like, well, I know we're part Cherokee. I heard that story somewhere, and I've always been attracted to indigenous wisdom. And I've always like every like I was a child when they had the commercial on the TV with the Native American crying because we were polluting the planet like that stuck with me i was like that is true that is true and so these moments of connection and then I said, well, how am I gonna get connected with my ancestry? Because I don't have like my genealogy doesn't prove anything, right? So how can I get connected? And I decided I want to get connected beyond the veil. And so I went out to Smoky Mountains first for the visit. And I met this um, the first year, nothing happened. I asked everybody in the replica village is where I went because where else do you go as a tourist? You don't know where to go. So I'm like asking there, like, please help me. You know, white woman crazy, need help. You know, like help me out. I need to get connected. And um, nothing happened of frustration. And then, um, and I talk about that in awakening to me the first book. But then I went back two years later with my sons, because I I was on the way back from my grandmother dying. And and I was like, let's stop here. I'm going to try again. And, and I went in and this time, they led me to somebody and they said, Okay, go talk to Bruce. You know, and he was there and I said I and I was sobbing and just a total hot mess. And I was like, I need help. I need to get connected. And he connected me and he, he basically flung this soul part through the back of my head. That was my past life um, experience on the trail of tears as a Cherokee medicine person. And as soon as that happened, I first of all, I felt it expand in me and it was uh, it was a very trippy experience. And then it just kept unfolding. And then I went through this really long process of integrating this other lifetime. And a lot of grief came up like a ton of grief inside my heart. I I mean, like I had been there because this part of me had been there. But now I was embodied in this lifetime in this body. And I was like, Oh, my god, like I have so much I have so much grief over this. It's way bigger than anything I even grieved in my own life. This is huge. And at the end of that, so when I'm writing this book, that was years and years ago, I about all these years to do, you know, all kinds of healing work on it and integrate that aspect in, but the last piece was to make it all the way to Oklahoma. That was the last piece. I never made it to Oklahoma in that other life because I really Um, was so devastated at the loss of our culture, the loss of our land, the loss of our people, the loss of everything we knew to be real and and important and sacred was torn away from us and we were ripped from our land and brought this other place and I couldn't accept it in that lifetime. I just could not accept that that was what was going to happen to our people and I had this deep judgment of it. And in order for me to heal that, the ancestors kept telling me, you need to go to Oklahoma. And I was like, I don't wanna go. You need to go to Oklahoma, I don't feel like it. You need to go to Oklahoma, I don't have time for that. You need to go, <laughs> you know? And so I said, okay. So the last, the last sign was um, pulling into Costco. There was a license plate in the car in front of me that said, you know, reservation of Oklahoma, Cherokee Nation, <laughs> I was like, fuck hey, fine. So I went up there to write this chapters in my book. And, you know, when I got there, it was this really odd sensation of the river of time and how the river of time just flows. Like it doesn't stop. It just keeps flowing. And it's like everything that was real the last time I was in a body was just like gone. And there wasn't, people there wasn't the people the way they had been there wasn't the community the way it had been there was this strange land that was beautiful and fine and pretty and lakes and trees and mountains and a beautiful home and i saw that my ancestors they landed well you know they were all around uh the land for me and with me and just saying hey we we ended up okay it's all right you don't have to hold on to that and that was really big it was a big pivot and i was really glad I. I finally said yes and and went up there but that's you know that's like spirits always guiding us to let go of the deeply held wounds that um that even across lifetimes we can carry forward and we need to um at this time on the planet it's our opportunity we don't have to do anything but it is our opportunity to reconcile those things right here right now and to heal them so i feel a lot better since i did that i feel more integrated i feel more embodied i feel more at peace and you know we're heading into potentially another time on the planet and where we could have another kind of loss like that a really devastating loss and like a bigger even scale than the trail of tears if we don't wake up you know if we don't really wake up right here right now and come alive and and forgive and come into harmony with nature and ourselves and start making different decisions
0: so let's talk about that like what do you feel in your heart is going on on the planet i don't think there's anybody like even people that are unaware or haven't gone on any inner journey i feel like are realizing that this feels like a bit of a different time. You know, if you look at your life, let's say 15 years ago, 20 years ago, like it just felt more like, like, okay, this is life. This is the reality. You know what I mean? Go to work, do whatever, you know, whatever your daily tasks are. And even for people that don't have words for it, I feel like this time has presented a lot of opportunities right in the form of difficult things that happen in people's lives to wake them up and shake them up like what is your perspective on this time
1: yeah so my perspective is that um we're getting rousted from our our dreamy state you know and our co-illusion on what life is like and what it's about, especially the Western world. I wouldn't say I would say this is familiar territory for, indivi- uh, for indigenous people. I think it's really the Western world that's getting a huge wake up call because we are so out of right relationship with the environment and other people and the plants and the animals and all of our relations. We're completely out of harmony with that. And those of us who have been on the spiritual path, um, our goal is, is really of that path is to get reintegrated, right? It's like become part of that mycelium network again, become connected again, get the messages again, and then, and then get in your body. Well, and getting in your body is feeling it, right? And, and the culture overall doesn't want to feel anything. So because of these, um, events that are waking us up, everybody is feeling stuff. Everybody is is pressurized. Everybody, there's tension, everyone's being um, squeezed, you know, that, that pimple is being squeezed. It's like, come on, like, we need to get this stuff up. You know, it's not healthy for us or the earth. And, um, you know, the methods that have been used to um, uh, sort of ignore or bypass uh, this work are not working so well anymore, right? And people are like, uh, wow, like I'm taking these pills and I'm and my alcohol and all of this is not working. <laughs> and, and and the other day I realized um, <laughs> this is the after this is the after the after party. This is the hangover. <laughs> we're in the hangover okay <laughs> we, a we've enough. had a, a long time on the planet western people and western colonization and and we've had a long time on the planet where things just kind of forced we could force things to go our way or what we wanted to happen we could create our reality and make everybody go along with it and now it's a no nope and no no nope and we don't like hearing no and so when we hear no, it's like, you know, it's like, what are you saying? You can't say that to me. And and, you know, for, especially for people that are of, you know, sort of lighter skin. This is a hard time on the planet because people who are of color are, are speaking up as they should. They're speaking up. They're using their voices. They're expressing their anger. That's, that's exactly right. And and a lot of this ancestral karma that has been sort of like hidden under the smear of freedom is like being brought to the surface. Like, no, that's not true actually. That was a lie. It, everybody was gaslit, you know, and they're saying, Hey, we always knew we were that everybody was being gaslit. You guys are the latest to the party. So we're waking up to this like epic gaslighting, you know, through the church system, through the educational system, through like every system, just pick a system. It's all been created to keep us pretty pleasing and polite, especially as white women. And we need to stop that. You know that is that is the indigenous women often say like why don't your women tell them to stop like that's enough because in indigenous cultures uh the women that's their job they say that's enough that's enough we've had enough now like that's enough buildings Thank you for building them. That's enough. You know, that's enough. Um, taking all the fish out of the ocean, let it replenish. That's enough. It's the women who say that's enough. And if we don't do that, then it, the the sort of like the they exp- the westward expansion keeps westward expansioning, and now it's trying to westward expansion like to other planets you know it's like <laughs> we've had movies about this i remember i saw a movie a, a long time ago that was about this where like the the trash on earth was so filled up that they finally went into this you know they went into this uh spaceship and then that that thing got filled up with trash and then they didn't have anywhere else to live right it's trying to teach that lesson and we're in that moment so yeah we have to wake up this is everybody's getting the wake-up call and three years of not being able to do life as normal that was supposed to get us into a new track of like a different way of thinking and feeling and i see that for some people it has worked and for other people they're still trying to bring it back to normal they want to go back to the party it's like i don't like the hangover part. I don't want to feel this part I don't like responsibility I don't want to do that I don't want to clean up my act I don't want to know what I did give me another pill it's like it's like the matrix movie where the guys like just put me back in the matrix I don't want to know anything that's a lot of people are in that moment right now they just put me back in the matrix give me a pill give me anything so I don't have to know about this and and then you know if we keep going that way there's gonna be another correction and we all know that those of us that are tapped in go please not another correction (laughs) can we just can we just (laughs) learn and move forward so we don't all have to go through that, you know, so let me just kind of stop going back
0: to the bar and drinking after you already are hungover. Um, yeah, totally. And, you know, it's funny, it's making me think of a story you tell in the book. And you were talking about this before, about women just being pleasing and, you know, supposed to show up a certain way. And you talk about, I think when your kids were teenagers and, you know, very into playing their games and you were going to go to a spiritual retreat or some, you know, event, and you talk about that, you know, you would probably be judged because this is a weekend there with you and not with their dad. And you're going to choose to go on this journey and let them, you know what I mean, stay home and play video games and be teenagers. And that, that, you know, spurred a feeling in you, like you were aware, okay, I'm doing something that's probably not the archetype of what the mom, the woman should be doing. And then feeling the societal feelings, like even if you are aware enough to say, I'm not going to attach to this, you're, you're aware that like, this is what society or I, you perceive society is saying women should do like, we should give up ourselves, right. And our own journeys and our own paths to make other people Happy or what we perceive is going to make other people happy, which is sometimes just a lie in and of itself. And like when I read that, I was thinking about, you know, we talk about the need for people to wake up and what are the things that inhibit that is this conditioning programming, which you talk about throughout the book. And like, what does it take to make choices like you did that day that are in right alignment with yourself in the face of other people's? judgment of those choices. And really, I think that's so much about what the awakening is about is being able to make choices that go against that conditioning and programming.
1: Yeah, I love that you brought that up. That is really true. Um, You know, I think think at the end of the day, it's the decision that it's okay, you feel okay with yourself if other people think you're wrong. You know, I had 20 years of living with somebody who had to be right all the time. And, um, you know, like I was that, I always ended up wrong, right. So I knew that he was gonna make me wrong for it. if he found out about it, that he would make me wrong for going to take care of myself, instead of being there for the kids, he would make me wrong for that. And so then I had to ask myself, what's more important? Is it more important for me to not to try to conform to somebody else's idea of what's right, or should I follow that inner voice that's inside my heart that says, this is the longer win like. And I had that message over and over again because every time I would study with this particular teacher in this women's group. I would come back more empowered, more loving, more kind, more gentle, like more with more capacity to be present, more capacity to be present with my kids, with what they were going through, more capacity to be okay if they didn't follow all the rules, you know, because if you follow all the rules, you expect your kids to follow all the rules, it becomes this cage. It's like this cage that we, and our whole society is based on this cage, by the way, the police system that, you know, if you drive one mile an hour over the speed limit, you they're right there to catch you in it you know it's like if you have your hoa and your grass goes one inch taller than it's supposed to or you have a little pile of leaves somewhere on your concrete and your concrete's not completely just concrete and clean it's like oh my god your concrete is not clean it's like oh my gosh like if you're one minute back late from work your boss is looking at you with scans all of these tight rules right this is why people are going insane right now, because not only do we have all these tight rules, we don't have any anger um, intelligence, we have zero anger intelligence in our culture. So anger is just not allowed. Like that's not allowed in this space. If you're going to be angry, you're going to be outcast. If you're going to be angry, you're going to be ostracized. If you're going to be angry, you're going to be judged and blamed and shame as the perpetrator. And I'm not doing that. And so then everybody's trying not to have anger, but guess what? Anger is part of the human condition. And so you're gonna feel it, you know? And we have zero anger intelligence. So anger is actually a beautiful sign that, you know, that you're in a cage and you don't wanna be in that cage and you're tired of being in that cage and you need to set yourself free. So yeah, these are all the things, like I had to be the demonstration to my kids of like, I'm not gonna cage you. I'm not gonna put one more cage on you that, you know, society is already putting plenty of cages on you. Your dad's putting lots of cages on you. I don't need to put a cage on you. What do you want to do with your Saturday? You want to play games? Okay. This is your one place. Literally for my kids. It was literally the only place that they could do what they wanted. The only place in the universe that my kids could just do what they wanted was my house. And that was on Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon. And that was it. The rest of the time they had to follow the rules of this entire system. That's a lot of pressure on kids to have no downtime. I mean, our grandparents used to wander around all day long with nothing to do. They didn't have any requirements on them. They went out, and, and mom said, go out in nature and they said, OK. And then they went in for a walk and they made stuff up and they wandered all around and they had spent the whole day that way. You know? And nobody thought they were doing it wrong, you know? So we've got some really crazy upside down world stuff going on here.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, I have a son who's 10. So when you have children, you enter into the world of what it what's going on in society in raising children at that time, which is obviously very different than like when we were young, or our grandparents, you know, our parents were young. And when I entered that world, I was like, my mind was blown at, because all I had to relate to before that, and I was an older mom. So I had a lot of years where I was out from being a child myself. And then a lot of years of being an adult before I was a mom, but it, it was so different than like my memories of childhood. And for the reasons that you're talking about, like Mm -hmm. this, um, need to fill every moment, Like it just felt overwhelming for me. And then I'm imagining like my son and I'm like, I'm not doing this. Like I'm not subscribing to any of this because it feels overwhelming for me. And I'm an adult. And like, what about him? And, and when we program children into that at such a young age before they can have choice in that, like, you know, I think there are some real consequences to that, like as they get older and. And I I can't tell you how many times I was like mouth wide open at some of the things that I witnessed when I entered this world. And I remember laughing, thinking like, I've been out there living life and I have no idea about, you know, you don't think about people raising kids unless you're around that or you're in that experience, like you're just out <laughs> doing your life. Right. And so when I entered it, it just felt like I stepped into like the twilight zone. I was just like, wait, they're doing this. And like, what is this? And like, I'm so, and, yeah. and, and just witnessing how many people were like, so fine with it. Right. Like are so integrated into that. And like my husband and I, I mean, I think we were just constantly being looked at, like, what are they doing? Like, cause we didn't, we didn't play the game at all, at all.
1: Well, there's a lot of judgment for moms. And I would say, and I talked about this a lot in my second book, I've had so many books, the last book before this one, The Love is Fierce, uh, Healing the Mother Wound. Um, because there's a lot of expectations on moms especially and there's a group think around what's the right way to do it and if you start doing it a different way they're all kind of looking at you gossiping about it or silently gossiping about you in their minds and then they're watching to see like are your kids like are they happy and perfect with little smiles on their faces um all the time because that's the proof that you're doing a good job as a mom meanwhile (laughs) those of us who've been on the medicine path we kind of know that sometimes you get that situation where kids are really productive. You know, I have a son that's like that; and he's very, very productive. And then other times you get the situation where you inherit the medicine person as your son, and that person has a really different life journey. That person's here to debunk everything that everybody else thinks. That person's meant, comes in to do it all different and opposite. That person's life looks like a mess to the people that are conforming. It looks like a hot mess, and they're like, oh. Oh my gosh, what's the matter with this person? Let's go get them a prescription and a, and a, and a you know, <clears throat> a label so we can know what to call them because they're clearly something other than what we are. And that's where, like, if you have one of those, anybody listening to your audience probably does, right? Because, because you're, you're into medicine, right? You're into like yeah. the awakening process. If you're in a family where there's an awakening happening, you might have a child that goes along with the conformist matrix and like does what they're told and pretty much goes along the predictable patterns. But more than likely, you're going to have the child that says, nope. <laughs> I'm not doing that. And they come in that way. You know, there's no changing who they are at their core. Like that's who they are. They came in to be the one that says no. And the one that goes their own path. And I had, I had one of those, I I still have one of those. And it's a, you know, that one is a blessing as a mom. And the reason why is because that one comes in and pokes it all The inner narcissist places where you wear the mask of the perfect mom because you don't want to be found out for being an imposter, you know, you don't want anybody to find out that you're really screwing it up or that you think you're really screwing it up so that that comes and puts you in your heart. You know, and and when you're in your heart, you're less judgy towards other people and the choices they make and you're you're more relaxed about things. You're less trying to like look over your shoulder all the time, waiting for the next attack. It's like, okay, well, that person's just upset because they're following the matrix and the matrix says they're doing it wrong and ouch. You know, and, and there's really no way to do it right. I think that the way to actually, I'm going to take that back their way to do it right is to love. That's it. Love and presence and listen and whatever is going on with your kid is unique It's a unique thumbprint. There's no other one like that child in the universe and and that's going to keep you on your toes because <laughs> yeah. there isn't a formula. There's no formula people. There's no formula. That's what I learned.
0: Yeah. And I think one of the things I tell when people ask me, you know, about my experience of raising kids is I'm like, it's a learning. Like I've been learning as much from my son, Jameson, as he probably learns from me, if not even more. And, you know, just being able to be with his energy from the time he was little. And because I knew enough at that time, you know, even though I was just on the cusp of my own awakening to like look at him and say, who is he? Cause he's not me and he's not my husband and he, you know, comes with his own journey. And like, I want to understand that. And I want to look at that, you know, instead of projecting, you know, everything that we are onto him or what we want him to be like, I just was in that curiosity mode. Like who is this little person who's coming through us? Not really even to us, but through this experience, you know, of being our child and what's he, what's he here for? And how can we help, you know, just kind of be on that journey with him and not like at a very deep level. I don't know if it was him imparting that in me when I was pregnant, but like, I really felt that, you know, around the time that he was born and, and that's really been, you know, and I think, and for you, like, I don't have two children, but like when you have multiple children, like they come on these very different paths and have very different personalities and to be able to like see them each, you know, for who they are and to honor them. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, it
1: definitely challenged my my Virgo mind. Um, In my astrology I have a Virgo mind, my Virgo mind is like, I know how this is supposed to work. Wait a second, let me put this in a bucket. I can figure this system out. There's a system here. Let me just figure out what the system. is. And then one or the both of them would just trash my system and go, No, there's no system stop. And I'm like, Oh, oh, my gosh. And then I have deep Scorpio moon. So then I'm like, I'm all in my emotions about it. And I'm like, Oh, my gosh, these kids. So yeah, these kids are amazing. They teach us so much. And yeah i think that the mystery is coming back that's the other thing i want to say is that for so long the feminine has been trapped by having to conform to patriarchal expectations right and to be pretty pleasing and nice and if you're not pretty pleasing polite nice then you rock the boat but what if just what if the wild feminine's ways is actually catalyzing in such a way that it opens up the path of the child much sooner to their soul essence and then the soul can come in sooner in life and live that sovereign life sooner what if and it's not to say that could happen to every child but with some children especially if you're one of these awakened parents that's probably happening right like they they know something different and it's going to provoke all the places where we thought it should be a certain way. I also talk in the book about the video games, like in case people are wondering if I'm just cool with video games. No, I'm really not cool with video games. I actually, I really hate video games. <laughs> like, I think it's I think it's really terrible, you know, that so many of our kids are um, on video games glued to the screen and, and social media and TikTok and all these things. I actually don't think it's a wonderful thing personally but i also recognize that what you were saying shanna this is their experience like these this group of souls came on the planet to learn about a certain set of conditions they're all doing the same thing which tells me it's part of that conditioning thing that they're all learning about and so for me to judge it from my perspective of having spent my summers on a boat with my dad with out in the water with no electronics and only a book to read it's a really different experience right but sometimes we get at things through the back door so sometimes when we we fully are allowed to experience something that is actually shallow and draining like those those video games they drain your energy right if you get, if you just some awareness on it you'll start to realize how it does that if you're on social media too much it drains you it takes energy from you those things are um external focused things and they're also using the mind and they're not using the body they're not using the rest of you so in a way if you spend a lot of time immersing in that and then all of a sudden for whatever reason you go outside to the park one day and you feel your body and your feet on the ground
0: you go, wow,
1: this feels so much better. Oh, I really like this. I like the sun. I like the trees. I like the birds. I like the ground beneath my feet. I I like the freedom of this. I like the wind. There could be that moment of like that tall glass of water on a hot summer day kind of thing, you know? So Mm -hmm. I... I just go, I try to see the bigger picture. I get glimpses. I have some farsightedness in my chart. So I get little glimpses. And I often hear this voice that says, trust the process, trust that process, keep an eye on it, but trust the process. There'll come a day where you'll see how that was useful. And I have to sit back and go, okay, I'll come a day where I'm going to see that was useful. I'm going to trust the process. In the meantime, I might judge the heck out of it. <laughs> Just I feel like that.
0: <laughs> no, I get it. I mean, it is. And it's like, how do you leave space for that different, right? That different. And we don't know, you know, there's many paths to different results or different things that we're meant to experience in our life. And like, you know, what's not to say it's part of the path. And if we, you know, if we completely come down and eradicate parts of people's paths, whether it's like our kids or, you know, partners or friends or family members, like, are we really helping, right? Or are we really just trying to guide someone down another road that we think our, you know, ego or personality thinks is the best road. And I think that discernment is challenging, right? In certain relationships, like those very close relationships. And this goes back to your book, Inner Medicine, because we can get very externally focused in the people in our lives and how we need to change them or fix them or guide them, which is kind of sometimes a diversion from what about my journey, right? And maybe I need to turn that finger back towards myself and like, see what there is in here that I need to work on, right? Or I need to see. And I think it's a great tool when you start find yourself, you know, pointing the finger at other people and really getting fixated on that, opening up your book and saying, okay, what what I can actually focus on and what I do have sovereignty and domain over is my journey, and my awakening and seeing myself. And I think the gift of contribution in the book that you wrote is that ability to let go of all the external and go back to the basics, which is right inside of ourselves.
1: Yeah. The answer is not out there. It's in here, but the outside is mirroring to us what needs attention, you know, within ourselves. And so I go through my day. This is one of the things I I love to invite people to, if people aren't already doing it just to, as an experiment to see if it changes anything is like open sacred space. I always put an invocation to open sacred space in all of my books because I always want to invite people to open this sacred sort of like peeling back the veil of normal existence and entering into this conversation with the divine, which is our always operating anyway and saying, okay, I'm ready. I see you. I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to receive. Yes. I open. I welcome the South. I welcome the West. I welcome the North. I welcome the East. I welcome my ancestors. I welcome earth. I welcome the mountains and the bees and the birds. I welcome father sky. You know, I welcome all of this beauty to guide me today. And I'm watching and I'm listening. And then from that lens, everything that happens is for you inside of you as part of your growth right and so looking at it through that lens is exactly what you talked about is inner medicine oh why is this happening for me today why have um, situations been aligned for me today to have this happen so I can experience it what is my experience of it what do I judge what what thoughts do I have about it what beliefs do I have does those do those actually still serve me that's the inner inquiry and as you work on that inside and that that inner medicine gets uh, forged from the fires of your reactions forged from, you know, the tension of the environment, you become sort of um, centered in what's true for you. And when you're centered in what's true for you, you can kind of let that other people do what they're doing is like kind of how like, I love my boy, I was like, Okay, this is your free time, I get it, blow off some steam, do what you love, no, no cage around you today. And and you can do that
0: because you're
1: giving yourself that gift.
0: Yeah, it's so beautiful. So where can people get inner medicine and find your other books and your other work?
1: Uh, my website has everything. Carrie uh, hummingbird.com K E R R I hummingbird.com. And if you want to get a free, the free first chapter of inner medicine, you can go to Carrie hummingbird.com forward slash inner medicine, all one word. And, you know, I'm, I'm still, uh, I have really pretty books, Look at that. I mean, look at the it's purple. gorgeous. It's so pretty. My I favorite like. color, purple. Oh my gosh. I love purple. I was like, Me this, too. Was, well, see. this particular, these are pre, um, pre-sale versions. I'm still selling these signed copies, but they're, they're so beautiful. I'm like, oh,
0: yes. I know. When you, like when you first <laughs> get that book and you feel it, right. And it's like, oh, this has been a whole journey and here it is in book form that people can hold and you know, experience it's, it's, I mean, it's a a beautiful birth process to bring a book to fruition. And you've done that several times. And, you know, I mean, I think one of the things that we have on our side at this time of growth is so much incredible information. If we choose it and we make space for it and we allow ourselves like, you know, reading one thing in your book can like be that shift in perspective that takes, you know, each one of us down a new road. And that's the gift of what you've given and the gift that everybody listening can receive. So we just have to, you know, it's easy in these, in this time, we can just go on Amazon or go on your website and grab a copy and, and see something new about ourselves. And so I just think that's beautiful that it's all available and out there. All we have to do is be open and say, yes.
1: Yeah, and there's and this most of my books are are written this way, but definitely this book is intentionally written as a medicine ceremony. So just like you would go into a plant medicine ceremony, this is a medicine journey to go into this book. And so you're asked at the beginning of the book to set an intention for the journey. And you can trust that you will be met by life in in that medicine journey. So I I just, you know, deep out everybody who says yes to the journey.
0: So beautiful. Thank you, Carrie, for coming on the show and for sharing your life stories and your gifts and your work with us. Thanks for inviting me and much love to everybody listening. Hey, lovely. This is Shauna Lee. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Soul Frequency Show. If you got even one piece of valuable information, head over to Apple Podcasts and share a review with your takeaways. And follow us because we got lots more goodness to come. We are spreading the love far and wide. And you know where to find me over at IG at The Soul Frequency. Until the next time, love, here's to positive vibes and powerful awakenings.